0: Well, good morning and welcome once again and uh good to see y'all here and uh we just went through a another time change and for for many of us we don't like that very much for one thing is it took a whole hour out of our sleep last night we took an hour out of our weekend and that's something that we we've learned to to cherish is our time, our free time. That is, and uh, we want to to look at how we how we experience that and why that's important to us and, and what's what's happened. You know, we, we we're going to talk about a, a four letter word today that's called work because uh, many of us don't like that and we and we dread it. And we have many kinds of, of work. You know, we have our our jobs how we how we gain our our provision, and for many of us, that's just a, a necessary evil. It's something that we have to do, that we put something into to receive something back, and it's something that we we push forward, and we or go through our our week just to have our our weekend. And that's why our weekend is so important to us because we dislike what we're doing so much throughout the week. And then we have the other things that we have to do in life, our, our chores, the things that we have to do to maintain life. You know, we have to do laundry, we have to do dishes, we have to, clean the house we have to maintain the lawn we have to maintain the car we have all these different things that we are required to do to just to live to survive it's part of life what happens is we tend to draw such a a line in the sand we don't live in harmony with all these tasks because we see these things as something bad, as something that we don't want to do. And that's why we cherish our free time so much because there's, there's little of it. And what's happened is, is we, we've gotten a, a, a false sense of how things should take place. And that's partly because of the fall of man and more because of the way the world is, the world that we live in the sinful world, the world that's underneath the influence of Satan. And he tries to direct us in a way that is against what God has laid before us. Now, I want you to think about something for a moment. If I ask you to picture paradise, what would you you think of? What would that be like? What is your paradise here on Earth? Is it laying out on the beach, having someone bring you you a drink with one of them little umbrellas in it? Is it sitting on a balcony and gazing out at the the mountainous terrain? Is it hiking through the forest and just being in, in nature? What, what are you doing in, in paradise? What does it look like to you? Just take a moment and think about that. Just, just what, is, what is it? You know, whatever it is that you picture, you know, there's things that you have to do to be able to be, be part of that. Let's say that you want to go commune in nature. You have to gather up all your supplies. You have to make the trek out there, and then you have to do set up camp. All of these things are work in its own right. But we don't consider it work because it's something that we want to do. We enjoy it. It's just part of the process gonna take that trip to the beach you have to go out and get your supplies you have to pack your bags you have to load up the car you have to drive there it's all part of the process and it may not be our most favorite part of the process but it's something that we do see in this world that we live in we have this idea we either work or don't work we're either doing something or not doing something, and there's no harmony between the two. You know, uh, God gave us a little glimpse into paradise. What a perfect environment was to look like. And he talks about that in Genesis when he gives us a little glimpse into the life of, of Adam and Eve. He shows us what it's like to be in that perfect environment and it's an example of how things should be. And I want to pull a couple things out of that example because we think about being in paradise, not having to do anything, just being comfortable, being entertained, having everything provided for us. Let's see here. We're going to look in Genesis 2. And the Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So he took man and he put him in this environment. But he didn't just say, okay, have fun. He gave him... Task to do to dress it and to keep it and then we look on down a little bit and we you know we get a he talks about what he can eat and whatnot and then in verse 18 he says and the lord god said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make him a help meet for him and you look at the words that he chose. He didn't say a friend, a companion, a lover, but he said a, a helper. So what do we need a helper for is when we are completing tasks that we are doing something. And then in 19, out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call him. And Adam called every living creature, and that name was their He, Adam, gave names to all the cattle and the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no, not found, a helpmeet for him. So here he is, he has another task to do. He's... Naming all of these animals, you know, and I'm blessed with a very vivid imagination, so to say, that um I really get a lot from reading, because as I take the words in or if I'm listening to them, my mind paints a a vivid picture you know it's like almost like watching the the things play out inside my head and i can imagine that this was a a very daunting task now my own philosophy is that this was pre-fall adam and that his mind capacity was very different from what we have today because we are today are affected by sin the fall the world and all these things and he was not polluted with any of those things so i imagine and you just look at the task that was given to him to be able to process all of this information to be able to take every everything because if you did that to me and our here i am i'm I'm naming animals By the time we got done and we went back and checked the list, we'd probably have like six things called kangaroos because I forgot I named the first five kangaroos. And I can imagine that during this process, that's when Adam could really have used some help. You know, sometimes when you're working on, on your taxes or something complicated like that, you need to have two or three people running calculators to be able to, pull all the numbers together and here he is doing these complex things all by himself. And it showed that he needed something more. Have you ever uh, been working on a project and it doesn't go well? That you, you struggle through it? I build things from scratch, raw materials and turn it into something. And sometimes it goes rather well. Everything just seems to fit together. You don't have to battle with it. Nothing breaks. And other times, it seems like it fights you all the way through the process. I joke sometimes and say that this particular batch of wood does not want to become whatever I'm trying to make it be. And we know that's not really the case. And we also see that oftentimes that we, we do things and we wind up having to, to do them again. That we get one thing fixed and then something else goes out. Thus, just maintaining this building we're in today has been been that case for me lately it's like one thing goes out and you you get it fixed and then everything's working properly and then something else goes down and then you replace that and then the next thing you know there's something else that needs to be fixed and then we we go through these these periods of, of struggle and it's in everything that we do when we do work. You know, if we're on our job and we, we do a certain task, there's going to be more of that same task to come. There's going to be other people that you work with that doesn't do their part quite as well. You're going to have to go back and you're going to have to pick up the slack for them. You're going to have to fix their mistakes. And then if you're, in a supervisory position, you're going to have to look and see what else is done. And you're going to have to not only do what you're supposed to do, but you're going to have to look and make sure everyone else is doing what they're supposed to do and make sure there's no mistakes in which they are going to be. We see that Adam, he, he went through this, this process and he, was able to do these things and we don't see anywhere where he he struggled and we have to ask ourselves why was he able to do these daunting tasks and not struggle the way we do today why do we struggle so much and the difference is he was in the presence of God At that point, he was unblemished by sin. He had not yet partaken. Man has not yet fell. He was in that image that God created, that ideal image that God created in the ideal environment. Everything was laid out just as it should. But we don't live in that world today. So when you're, you're working on that project and you're just about to finish up and then you realize that something's off and you have to go back, you have to start over. When you're looking and you're trying to find that last piece and someone forgot to put it in the box so you can't finish. When your raw materials are substandard and something breaks when it just doesn't go together right, when it just doesn't work out. And I had to ask, why is that? Why sometimes do we have to struggle so much? We need to be humbled. We need to be humbled. We need to remember that we are Not perfect. We need to remember that we are sinners. Can you imagine when you do your work and it doesn't work out? What is that a reflection of? About how God looks at us. How God looks at us. See, he made us to perfection and we, mankind alone, ruined his perfection. He, we tainted his work. Mankind is his prime, most beloved creation. And we tainted his work. And look how we react when our work fails. We get upset. We get angry. We get frustrated. Sometimes we give up. But God doesn't react that way. He looks down and sees his work. And not that he messed up, but we messed up. It's like we we build a sandcastle on the beach and someone comes along and kicks it down. Nothing to do with us, but yet what we've made Has been destroyed. And God looks at us the same way. But yet, He still loves us. And He didn't give up on us. He looked at what was messed up, where the work failed. And he came up with a way to repair it. And that repair is Jesus. He sent his son to cover us in his blood. I remember whenever they was working on our house and uh, they was doing the inside and they had to do do painting and hang trim and and that sort of thing. And I've always been the kind of person that I like to watch people do work. I'm a very hands-on person. I like to learn. I like to see how things are done. Uh, not because I'm looking to see if they mess up not because I want to criticize anything I just want to see how the the process goes and you see you know they don't try they don't run that paint roller all the way to the top and they don't run it all the way to the bottom and they say well because trim will cover that they don't worry about the rough edges because trim will cover that. We only worry about what we can see. If you're building a cabinet or a dresser, those things go up against the wall. So we never see the back side. So we don't worry about making the backside pretty. We don't worry about it having a a smooth finish. We don't worry about it being completely finished out because no one's ever going to see it. We focus on the front. The ornate details go in the front. The extra polishing, the perfection of the paint, everything of that goes in the front where we can see it. And Jesus did that for us. He is our trim. He came along and he has covered all the rough edges with his blood. God can't look upon sin and we are all sin. Think about that, that's what we did. Whenever man fell, we became the parts of the house that's not attractive to look at until it's covered up. We're the unfinished paint. We're the rough edges. We're the back of the cabinet. But Jesus came in, covered us with his blood, And made us all look good. Made it where the Father can look upon us. Took down the curtain. Took down all the things that separate us from Him. Everything God does has purpose. And the first thing that we want to do is complain. Something goes wrong, and we say, God, why? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why have you forsaken me? If we could turn to God as quickly as we turn away from God, our lives would be so different. But we go against him. He's an easy target to blame, but he has purpose. Paul tells us that we should be thankful for. For everything. Even the bad stuff. Even the hard times. And you say, why? Why would I want to be thankful for that? Because God has purpose. And just like when our work fails, He is trying to remind us of something. He is trying to humble us. He is trying to get us to connect to Him. I don't know how many times I've been in that state where you're working on something and it's being so troublesome or that everything you do doesn't seem to quite work out. You're doing something for the first time, you have to navigate the process, you have to create the process, and you have to get through it, but it just doesn't seem to work. You can't seem to put the pieces together. And then of course we struggle, and we struggle, we struggle, and finally I get tired of struggling and I say, God, I could use a little bit of help. And sometimes it's right then that the the inspirational or Strike, or sometimes the things will just stop fighting and start working like they're supposed to. And then other times it takes a little bit of reflection and a little bit more deep prayer. And then the next morning is a new day. And like God says, He makes all things new. And what you're working on behaves completely different. And that's nothing that I have done. It's nothing that. The things we're working on is done it is God and I want you to remember that that we know we stand up here we say things like that is God and we need to be able to boldly and proudly say that is God. To give God credit where credit is due. And remember that because that's going to be a something upcoming we're going to talk about. It just happened to fit in today. We got this idea that we have these sprints of of work, and it's supposed to stop, work, stop, work, stop, work, stop. That we're working towards this idea of paradise on earth, and we spend so much time working In the beginning, so we can get to that point of stop. Well, there's some innate problems with this mindset. Number one is we have worked so hard for so long that it's taken a toll on our bodies, and we've just pushed them beyond the point that we can't do the things that we used to do or want to do, especially if you're in a physical field. Another thing is it takes so long to be able to get to that point where you can stop. I seen on a, on a news thing that there's certain political people that's wanting to raise the retirement age. They think that it should kick in somewhere around 80. That that's a way that we can combat some of our spending. And then we've talked about briefly in the past that when we're relying on a earthly system, that it's not going to work that we can't just feed into an earthly system and expect to have the results that we want that God's got a different plan so we wait till we're we're too old and quite frankly that many people don't even make it to that point in life and if they do they're in such a condition that they can't enjoy that point of life The third thing is, is that there's not enough resources that, despite all of our best efforts and everything that we've done, that things that we can't control, our health, our financial situation, inflation, it takes a toll on our projection. Because we have to basically make a guess about how much we are going to need to get to this point of, of stopping. And even at that, only one portion of the work stops. We still have to maintain the chores of life. Laundry still a thing. House cleaning is still a thing. We still have to cook. We have to eat. Some people are seeking out alternatives, moving into to hotels or cruise ships to be able to have these things taken care of for them at a price. We're seeing a a shift now as the the new generations are are growing up and entering to what should be the, the workforce. And the past generations were hard, dedicated workers. That they went out and they did what they had to do to provide and to to maintain and be able to do these things of life. In fact, that as we talk about men and women, there is something that God inherently put into a man that when you reach a certain point it activates you know it's that that longing for a family that you want to have a wife that you want to have children and as part of that you want to provide these are things that God inherently put in these are reasons why men and women are different and they come together to perform and become one unit and they want to be able to do these things and the satisfaction of life comes from being able to fulfill that role and be able to accomplish these things But the world keeps trying to put a different spin on it and tell people that that's not how it should go, that you're being neglecting, that you're not have your priorities in the right place. This new generation, they come along and they're starting to, to realize some of these flaws in our earth system, but they're not seeing the source of the problem. See, the source of the problem is is that we are straying away from God. We are straying away from God's plan. We are straying away from the purpose that God has put into us and all these internal things. All these things are being suppressed and we're given a new line of ideology. That drive. To have a family is being crushed. Because the world is telling us that marriage isn't important, that family isn't important, and in fact they're trying to dissolve the idea of what a family should look like, what a couple should look like, what a man and wife should look like, even what a man and a woman should be. And see, when we terminate the most basic of things, then it's really easy to smudge the picture of everything else. So now we have that no drive for a family. So there's no drive to want to provide, to be the protector, to stand up, to be the leader. No one wants to be the head of the family anymore. Nobody wants the responsibility. Nobody wants the the trouble and nobody wants to work. You can listen to so many people that think that everything should be provided for them, that the ones with more to give to the ones with less. They think that their ideas, their company, their opinions is more valuable than labor. When we break down the foundation, the whole building crumbles. And that's what we're, we're seeing today. We had a mass exodus of people quitting their jobs or not returning back to them after the pandemic because they didn't feel valued, they didn't feel That they were being paid enough. But they don't want to do anything about it. So we have to have balance in our life because, yeah, we don't want to go and do something that we don't find stimulating. But we can't just throw our hands up and say, I'm not going to do anything either. And we go back and look at Adam. God put Adam in charge. Put him in charge. He didn't say, "Come on, Adam, and help me name the Adam, the animals." He didn't say, "Come on, Adam, and help me tend the garden." He said, "No. You do it." You do it. And we see here, he didn't give him any kind of parameters or any real real instruction. He gave him this place, told him, you manage it. And there was basically one rule. Don't eat from the one tree. That was his only guideline. And he went and he did. We look at countless examples. Abram, take your wife, go from this land to a place I'll tell you, I'll let you know when you get there. But you know, he didn't tell him what to bring, you know, how many animals to take, you know, the pack of bologna sandwich for the trip. He didn't tell him all these little details. Because God gave us a mind to think and to be able to do. And he gave us abilities. If you don't want to be a cog in the bigger system, be your own system. But don't simply do nothing. We're not made to stop. When I was looking for the subject matter today, I I started in the beginning. And I was reading through the uh, creation of the heaven and earth. And you know what God did? He rested. He rested. It never said that he stopped. And he hasn't stopped. He rested. And you know, he rested not because he was tired. God doesn't get tired. God's not like us. He doesn't have to take a nap. He doesn't have to sit down. God rested for us to have an example. And what are we supposed to do with our our day of rest? See, we we think about that as, as a day of rest. We think about our day off and... We want to go do something. We want to be entertained. But the rest is for reflection. To look back on everything that we've accomplished. To be thankful for what God has allowed us to accomplish. To praise Him, to commune with Him. It doesn't say, stop. Jesus, He did His his ministry. He died. He came back. And now what does He do? He sits on the right hand of God and He intercedes for us. He doesn't stop. You know, we seem to get that, that idea, and many people will keep that, that there's no miracles anymore. That Jesus did His thing and that was it. But that's simply not the case. It's the same thing with God. We seem to think that that God did all of these things, and then he just stopped. God doesn't stop. What we have to do is we have to find harmony in what we do. Last week, we talked about the the words that we say and how we react to things. And this is, in our work life, no matter what the task is, this is a big way we can put that into action. You know, be thankful for what we can do. You know, if you... If you have a a specialized job, you're doing something that not everyone can do. That's special. Be thankful for that. If you're doing the most mundane task, you're wiping down the kitchen counters. You're doing your laundry. Be thankful because you're able to, that you have a place to do it in. know we can always find something to complain about complaining is easy being negative is easy it's our default action let's challenge ourselves a little bit to look on the the positive side of things and when things get hard and get challenging we can turn to God You know, perhaps if we turn to God in the beginning, before we start the process, perhaps if we had hearts that wasn't so tarnished from the resentment of the work that we have to do, that tasks would go easier in our lives, that we can do things with a joyful mentality. That we can be just happy to be here. Happy to live life. And it's it's temporary. And for many of us, we're just trying to ride it out so we can get to heaven because... We like them images of a floating on a cloud and having little wings and a little halo above her head and playing a harp and just not having to do anything. God gives us our example that they will be cast. There's things to do in heaven. There's a Lord to be praised. There's songs to be sung. We have things to do. The the old saying that the idle hands are the the devil's playground. And think about that for a moment. When do we get in the, the most trouble? When do we have our most negative thoughts? When do we go to the darkest recesses of our minds? It's when we are idle. It's when we're not doing anything. God has purpose. He knows our hearts. He knows our mind. He knows what we will do. That's why he wants to keep us occupied with Things that will draw us closer to him. Think about it.